following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm your host, your man. That explosion was supposed to be bigger, wasn't it? I'm Thunder Road, <laughs> Dave Ryan, and I am joined by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week? Can I say I'm blown away by that intro? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's all popping off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How many more can we get? Uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty during the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, aside from, we will get into that in a second, but uh, how how has your week been? Uh, yeah, good. That's fucking, you know, just again, I say it every time we're on, it's just kind of same, same shit, different day kind of situation at the moment. Um, yeah. Connor returned to school, so that's about the big news. Yeah. Is it is the big dog enjoying having the the routine back, seeing the friends? Oh or, god, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's all well and good them playing games and being online or whatever, but actually seeing each other in school, they just seem to be a lot happier. Yeah, I've actually <clears throat> I've noticed in the 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 young people I work with that like there's that dividing line. None of the secondary school students I talk to want to go back, <laughs> but all the primary school students do. Yeah. Uh, Except, actually, the secondary school students that do want to go back are the secondary school students that have brothers and sisters that are also in school. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just want to get away from them for the day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it is good for them to have their routine back, even if if we're stuck in. I've, um, I don't know if I mentioned it on the last show. I think I've only been doing it for a week, so I wouldn't have. Um, I, I'm trying to pick up, like, new things. Because I, I was finding that I was going through the motions of just having the same day every day. So I was like, I want to do, whether it's, like, read a book or, mm. or something like that, I want to do something regular in my day. So I think I was telling you this over the weekend when we had, um, we were on a call together during the AW pay-per-view. Uh, I started trying to do the Duolingo and learn some Japanese. Yes, you did bring this up. Yeah, I'm not going to start like doing... The... I mean, your, your translations of Hikaru Shida and um, Ryu Mizunami's promos were just... Oh. Breathtaking. Yeah. It's not going to become a, a bilingual podcast anytime soon unless like the majority of Thunder is about whether it was cheap or expensive water at the store <laughs> in the small town. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'm quite there yet, but uh, it's one of those things where I think like... Because, you know, this is also... Um, we have now been doing podcasts in lockdown for a year. Jesus, um, half of this podcast has been done in lockdown. Yeah, because, yeah, we're just coming to the end of 1998 now, so yeah. Um, we, yeah, it was literally a year ago, this weekend just gone, where I was last out of the country. So we would have probably recorded on the Tuesday or Wednesday mm-hmm. I came back. 
and then we were like well I was locked down for the moment I landed because there was an outbreak yeah. in Germany as I was there but uh, the whole country yeah, that, and that was world, it then yeah that yeah. was the end of it not that we ever recorded in person but um, yeah it is weird to reflect on that but I think it is whether it's your podcasts or, or something like that I think it is important to have that that thing in your day that makes you plug out and focus on something mm-hmm. for a while I, I'm definitely feeling that like I've, I've started reading a couple of books and stuff like that and just to just to do something a bit different yeah I, I figured lockdown must be getting to me because I was in my, my course for college we had to do like a check in um, about how it was like they, they threw up I think 37 images mm. and you had to pick an image that described your week if it was the cover to a film about your week right. and you have to name the film and explain the plot and I picked one where it was like a fellow with his hands and his face mashed up against the glass <laughs> uh, and I can't remember I think I called it Cabin Fever and I was like oh, it's this like crazy sci-fi adventure about people being told they can't leave their houses uh, the film is a year long and it has no ending uh, so it was just like when I did that, and I kind of said, uh, I kind of said that as a gag, and I was like, "Wow, that's a real gauge of where my mood is." Yeah, that, the last while. That, that's a real insight into your own psyche. Yeah, yeah, or psychosis, as the case may be. Um, yeah, it, it's tough, but like you know, we're here for the Thunder Buddies. The Thunder Buddies are here for us, mm-hmm. um, and podcasts have definitely been a great escape for me. Oh, like getting out walking the dog listening to the grapple boys or listening to um our stable mates strong style story mm. or boom goes the dynamite like a- any any of my favorite podcasts just like it's a it's an oasis now and i've brought in my my speaker from my office and work so that i can listen during the day when i'm just working away and it really does help um but look on on well, I was going to say less grim things. We are going to talk about a bit of AEW because <laughs> you threw out the questions um, just to see if there's any, like, a couple of, a couple, just a, a couple of bits about uh, what do you want us to talk about. And the very first question we got in, and let me just attribute it correctly. Um, ah, yes, Ashley Clements mm-hmm. uh, tweeted us, uh, what's up with that ending to the exploding barbed wire death match and how bad do you feel for Eddie for selling the explosion? Um, so I suppose that's a nice segue to get into AEW Revolution thoughts. Um, uh, before we get into the spectacular anti-climax, uh, overall, how did you find the show? I think I went in with like super high expectations, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't blown away by anything on the show. That that's fair enough. Like, but yeah. it was fine. I I've thought about this since Sunday. Since the night of the pay per view, um, yeah, I think the show was more of a setup for the next two to four weeks of TV more than a blow off. If yeah. that makes sense, like I think there's going to be a lot of big moves made. I I feel like it, it still had the feeling that they were sorting out things that they put on ice mm-hmm. for the pandemic that they didn't want to deliver on. Yeah. Um, I'm convinced. That they would have paid off the the Chris Jericho face turn months ago. Oh yeah, that that has um, very much dragged. Uh, Kenny Omega would have won the title months ago, and we'd be on to the chase for Hangman. Mm. I w- I'd be fairly certain that he was going to win over the is it double or nothing is next. Yeah, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna push the Hangman thing out to all out probably for yeah. September. 
Yeah, I, I think that's the one that they won't pull the trigger on, but you can see now they're moving towards pulling trigger on mm-hmm. other stuff like the Inner Circle falling apart that they were trying I want, to hold off. I think getting like right to the main event kind of thing, I wonder are we going to get like yeah. an Eddie placeholder title, title defense? Like between... Well, that, that, that seems to be where they're going. Between based now on, and Double or Nothing. Yeah. Um, and that'd be cool, mm-hmm. you know, especially the dynamic of him being a babyface. Oh um, god, yeah! Like, totally ready to f- fucking get behind Eddie. Like, I, yeah, I don't find myself saying I was disappointed with Revolution, no. <clears throat> and we're not going to run up and down the the whole card or anything. That's for our buddies at Boom mm-hmm. the Dynamite to do. Um, but like, I enjoyed some matches. Like the Shida uh, Rio Mizunami mm-hmm. match was excellent. Yep. I think a lot of the matches, that one included, suffered from going. Like, I think it, everything went slightly too, too long. long. Yeah. Um, the one, uh, the one in particular that was like exceptionally, why is this happening and why is it going so long? Is the um, well, firstly the the big money match, oh, um, and secondly the the Miro and Kip versus best friends thing. God, that that just needed like after they jumped them backstage, that needed to be like two yeah. minutes. I was listening to our buddy Barry talk about that today, and he was just like. You gave them the out that mm-hmm. Miro could have pinned them in ten seconds because they jumped them backstage. So you do the the backstage segment, which takes a couple of minutes, and then you come out and have a ten minute match. Like, and who are you? Like he said, I love him, but who are you protecting? It's Chuck Taylor. No, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I I love Chuck Taylor as well, but Miro squashing them in two minutes isn't gonna. They're, they're gonna do anything. Like they're gonna get bounced back and go into a feud with fucking whoever, and it'll still be fine. Yeah. It'll still be Chuck Taylor. Yeah, I thought the tag team title match was solid, if unspectacular. Yeah, it was fine. I thought the 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 battle royal was fun once it got mm-hmm. going, but it took a long time to get going. Um, I thought the the ladder match didn't really work for me. Um, it felt like there were some moments in it that were cool, but it felt like that kind of it was they were booking moments, not a match. And I'm over that style of ladder match. And again, I think like the, the whole Cody thing like we we were saying it when we were talking to each other on the night like it's like right come on get to the Cody spot we all know it's coming like we can see yeah. Cody in the background for the fucking majority of the match um, yeah it was the the reins getting taken out of the rumble thing yeah. it was like you know what's happening and what made it worse is just that like he's doing the selling the injury and wanting to go back like at the side of the screen mm-hmm. on the stage so it was like I wasn't being I wasn't able to focus on anything, anything that was going on in the ring because it was so distracting to be fair there was nothing much going on to, in the ring um, no. yeah and again the ladder match itself just feels like a setup for TV what with Scorpio getting yeah. the title shot then bringing in page that seems to be going towards a derby page thing yeah well that's uh derby tweeted that it looks like he's going to be defending more regularly because it was something that people had been giving mm. out because he'd been stuck in this sting storyline we haven't seen a lot of tnt title defenses so that that's promising if we get some good derby matches going and we remarked like you know some people are a bit down on ethan page coming in i think potentially if he doesn't burn bridges as, as sometimes he has done in the past I think he's a, he he has potential there. He, he um, has to know it's his last shot. Yeah, um, and him and Derby obviously was an incredible feud in Evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, I suppose we get to what Ashley directly asked us about, and that's the main event. Uh, a main event that I thought was an incredibly well worked mm-hmm. match, bell to bell. I didn't care that much for the interference, especially because kind of like the Cody thing, we all knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um. In isolation, I think if what happened at the very end had 
played off perfectly, I don't think I would have been half as mad about the interference happening because I think it made sense they were trying to essentially murder a man mm-hmm. on pay-per-view, but the fact that we ended up with the lame duck sparkler bomb instead of an actual proper explosion um, sucked the air out of it and made you focus more on the, the parts you didn't like than the parts you did. I think if you take away those fucking whatever it is, like the the explosion and the aftermath went what, two, two and a half, three minutes? Total. Yeah, it was something like three minutes. I think if you just take away that that three minutes, mm. that main event from beginning to Eddie throwing his body on Moxley, like four seconds, yeah. three seconds before the bomb goes off, I fucking adored all of it. Like again, the interference, yeah. I knew it was coming. That's what I knew Kenny was winning. We all knew Kenny was winning. Yeah. Mm. That's all fine. But like Eddie coming out and just like Butcher and Blade trying to hold him back and it was all just so perfectly done. The match was worked fucking magnificently. Like the danger yeah. of it all, and it was the exact opposite of what we didn't like about the ladder match. Mm-hmm. Because what we didn't like about the ladder match was that it was a match like, oh, what cool spots can we do with the ladder? Whereas the main event was a great, a well worked match that involved barbed yeah. wire as opposed to a barbed wire match. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all about the barbed wire. It was about the danger, the fear. The two men, like I think we we got hyped up alone from the entrances, both like Mox coming out in the Onita jacket mm-hmm. and uh, Kenny Omega coming out with the hair slicked down hair, and just like yeah. looking like this is main event. Kenny was here, mm-hmm. there's no fucking about. Uh, no cutting promos on school children uh, tonight. Um, yeah, and to answer the other half of Ashley's question, I do feel incredibly bad for, for Eddie Kingston because like... What else was he supposed to do in that situation? I do feel bad for him, but I also feel like they went right into retconning the ending, and they're, yeah. they're going to salvage it. And there's no doubt in my mind they're going to salvage it. Yeah, well, I think Brian Alvarez said it on on Monday, where it's like there is no one else in this company you back more to promo his way out of that mm-hmm. hole than Eddie Kingston. Uh, I think some of the retconning that that Tony tr- Tony Khan tried to do is a bit embarrassing on the, the post-show call. I think really just, you should just throw your hands up and say it like, uh, trying to immediately go, oh, well, it's just that Kenny's a terrible bomb maker. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not into that. Like, just say it was yeah, look, shite. I, I, you know? yeah, I think we all know something went wrong. That's fine. It happens. Yeah. It's live pay-per-view. Yeah. But look, they've, they've decided the angle they're going. Mm. I'm not totally opposed to it. Let's just fucking... Mention it on Wednesday, get past it, and move on to where we're going with this kind of Mox King alliance and yeah. what exactly they're going to do now. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's um, that's all we really need to. Otherwise, it's just going to turn into an AEW review podcast, mm-hmm. and we don't want to muscle in on the boys' <laughs> corner of the market. Um, they will have a show up on Saturday, I believe. Uh, so check that out on this very podcast feed, mm-hmm. uh, reviewing Dynamite from this week and Revolution. Um, right before we get into things here, Lee, um, what do you have this week, beverage-wise, for our beers of thunder? Okay, so I've gone for something a bit different. I've gone for a Czechoslovakian, or sorry, Czech Republic, they would be now, um, yeah. beverage, brewed in Prague, it's a, a Staropramen lager. Yeah. The, uh, I know from having spent a lot of time in Prague um, that you cannot escape the branding for Staropramen. No. It's everywhere. Um, I just regret that I never did the brewery tour. <laughs> having spent one weekend in Prague that I do not remember... Apart from 
bits. <laughs> Which yeah. I Is it because of the Star Obrama? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I fucking, yeah, I just remember it being everywhere and it was like the main drink on tap everywhere. So when mm. I saw it today in the local off license, I said, fuck it, I'm getting a couple of these. So I have a 660 milliliter bottle, which is fucking ginormous. It's a unit, yeah, so, I can see there. Because we're back on Zoom again, recording um, the show. So yeah, this is very nice. If you've ever had it, you know what it's like. It's just your fucking typical nice lager. You're not fucking... Mm. It's not blowing me away, like, or anything. Yeah. I've uh, I've gone all spirits this week again. And I've I've brought out the, the fancy decanter again. Which, which um, I see has been refilled. It has, yeah. I, I kind of... Uh, the, the sad explosions on Sunday got me to drain the uh, <laughs> the remnants. what was in it before. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm on to a bottle of Dublin Liberties Ooh, whiskey. So nice. I'm enjoying that. It's um it's a sweeter offering than I've had recently. So I'm enjoying that with a bit of uh, Pepsi Max in it. <laughs> uh, because I feel like after, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been recording straight after me doing three hours of class. And I feel I could drink myself into a stupor after it. So I need to water it down. <laughs> which is, again, why I'm not having uh, any of my fancy ones this week. Um, the one thing we actually forgot to mention about AEW was something you pointed out to me uh, a running piece of continuity from the WCW days in a match that we probably should have (laughs) talked about because it was the most WCW pertinent match the the cinematic Derby and Sting uh, tag match against Team Taz what did you notice about that match? Um, well I mean as the match began and it got jump-started. I mean, the best continuity we've had thus far in AEW from Thunder is Sting had his jacket on for the first two minutes of the match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sting got attacked at the bell yeah. while still wearing his jacket. The duster stays Absolutely on. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I actually re-watched that match this evening with Connor. Connor hadn't seen it yet, so um, he loved it. He, he was blown away by it. Yeah. Oh, I had a great time during that. That's something that I should have really praised. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that and the actual bell to bell of the main event are my two notebook matches, and as Joe Lanza would say. I really hope that Derby maintains the kind of full face look and he has like the, the half and half face, face paint for, for Sting. Oh, class, it was really so. good. I love when people do that. Like, they take on a part of the personality of their partner. Yeah. So I really hope Derby maintains like the eye makeup and the little bit of um the kind of lips that you had as well. Yeah. The brothers in paint right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Where you know what you know what this is leading to? And that's the return of the insane clown posse to professional wrestling. With Vampiro? Yeah. It's gonna be oh Dark Carnival two point oh man. We're gonna get a human torch <laughs> match again. They're all gonna feud with Sting. So it's just gonna <laughs> Imagine be... Muta coming in. <laughs> oh mercy. <laughs> Oh mercy! After seeing some gifts of him last week, I don't think he he his legs at all. How long would that fight. entrance take? Oh lord! Um, right, so we are on Thunder episode forty-one from November nineteenth, nineteen ninety-eight, coming to you from Fort Wayne in Indiana. This is your World War Three Go Home Show, and we're already starting off a bit off kilter for Thunder mm-hmm. because we are joined by Tony, Lee, and Larry doesn't sound right does it no it doesn't i didn't care for this like i i don't think larry had a bad night but you know I, anyone replacing bobby is a downgrade no it should, it should have just been today for the whole show yeah like at, at this point from how much of a quality uptick there is 
uh, of the play-by-play when Tanay comes in, he's definitely earned his stripes mm-hmm. there to do a, a thunder, uh, especially a go-home thunder. So they say that, that Bobby's already en route to Detroit for the pay-per-view. <laughs> I don't know why nobody else is, just him. I'm assuming he went home for the week. Yeah, I would I would Post Nitro. Yeah, because I can't imagine, like, I'm not, I'm no expert, but I can't imagine he needed to set off right after Nitro to, <laughs> to get Doesn't he live in, um, oh, fucking Minneapolis? Isn't that where he was based? Might have been. I, 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 he would know more than I would, I would say. I think that, he, he was definitely based in around there anyway. Um, so, <laughs> Starley speculates that Nash is going to have home field advantage because they are in in uh, Detroit this weekend. But that's kind of like the last they mention of that. Mm-hmm. It's just like Lee had... It was almost like when they said Detroit on commentary saying where Bobby was, that like a penny dropped for Lee Marshall and he just needed to get that bit in. Um, or he knew who was Booker now and was just, you know, knew where his bread was buttered. Yeah, so they also say that um, DDP versus Bret Hart was confirmed for the US title this Sunday, but there'll be more on that later. We, You know it's a go-home show when instead of going to action in the ring, they immediately go to a flashback from Nitro <laughs> to remind you of stuff that's going to be happening on the pay-per-view. And it's Bret beating on Malenko and Benoit. Uh, and DDP returns. And I'll tell you what, like, you know, we've been talking about what a missed opportunity uh, they had on a couple of occasions with DDP, but the monster pop oh he got coming out of Nitro to save the horseman. Yeah, like you uh, notice, like you'll see Brett, you know, beating up on the horseman or whatever. But I think it's a couple of guys in the front row are the ones that spot Page. Obviously, like the yeah. Mormor had travelled. Yeah. And by the time the guys in the front row see him, the pop is just fucking huge. And yeah, just, you know, setting up this kind of. <sighs> Brett match. <laughs> Look, I'd be fine, I think. I think Brett redeemed himself last month with us a little bit. He's been... Just a little bit. You know, he, he's treading water, but, you know, it could go either way with Paige. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm not... I'll put it this way. I'm not holding out a huge amount of hope for the pay-per-view, and I think coming into... A World War Three low expectations are the correct expectations to have. <laughs> um, but uh, DDP makes a comment about JJ Dillon being fired. Here, I missed that because it was mentioned yeah. later on in the show when I was like, "Excuse me, what?" So he says that like Dillon may be fired, but I have a contract for the match on Sunday. Yeah, it's. I I just. Okay. Yeah, they they just glossed over it. I don't know what happened, and because of the nature of the show, I don't intend to find out. Um. Um, the the main part that I got from DDP's promo was David Penzer on the mic, and he sells DDP doing the bang at the end of the promo better than anybody has ever sold a diamond cutter. <laughs> oh my god! I, what a man Dave Penzer is. I love when when people sell mm-hmm. uh, promos he, he, <laughs> like they've been mortally wounded. Like we all knew the bang was coming, and yet Pender stumbles into the corner, like blown away by this one action. <laughs> uh, our opening affair is Norman Smiley versus Booker T. Uh, on the way to the ring, Tony mentions that uh, Kaz Hayashi has been searching backstage for a partner to face uh, 
the cat and Sonny Ono on Sunday. So fucking strap yourself in, buddy. You're going to see a Sonny Ono match. Uh, long heat period from Smiley to start in the first half of this match. I was kind of interested to see that because I thought Norman Smiley at this stage coming out is code for this is going to be a glorified squash. But I was... Um, I was impressed at how much of this match that he got and that he's showing a little bit of a new attitude here. There's like a cockiness and a regret. Like he's kind of just, his gimmick when we've seen him on Thunder so far has been wrestler. a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now he's got a bit of attitude mm-hmm. about him. He's not quite at big wiggle levels he yet. He did the big wiggle at one stage. He did the big wiggle, but it's not like, um, it's not that kind of uh, crash pads and no. jersey guy screaming and running away like they're, they're putting over that Norman Norman slam that he does the kind of like twisting scoop slam type thing whatever it is you want to call it um, he does the big wiggle he's been a bit more heelish than we've seen before and yeah like the, they're like not you know putting him over as this mega fucking star or anything but like all three commentators are very complimentary of him so you know he's above like fucking jobber grade at this stage yeah um. So yeah, Booker begins to come back then with forearm, pump kick, spinning crescent kick, the whole nine yards. Uh, but he misses a diving elbow. I appreciate that when he missed the diving elbow, Smiley celebrates by starting to cabbage patch. Uh, <laughs> and and while he does that, Booker spinneroonies up, uh, fights back, hits his one hundred and tenth street slam. Um, but like I, there is a consistency an inconsistency to say the least in what is and what isn't a 110th street slam yeah um because uh sometimes it's a sidewalk slam sometimes it's an alabama slammer but it, regardless of wh- which it is tony will still call it both the 110th street slam and a sidewalk, a sidewalk slam, slam. Yeah, just to cover all bases it just it it messes with my my melon man. I don't know Honestly, what's going like, on there. Booker around this period really should have settled on a move, and it probably should have been the axe kick. Yeah, yeah, and because even like in this uh, in this match, they are teasing. They're like, oh, I thought he was going to go for the axe kick, mm-hmm. and that would have been the end of it. So obviously, he's he's favoring it on on Nitro if if that's what they're saying. Um, but yeah, some of these, I think maybe like even if he just stuck to two, if it was just like the axe kick and the Harlem hangover mm-hmm. as his like super death move, because well, I love well, the I mean, Harlem it hangover. It is a death move if you've ever seen it. Yes. Uh huh. Um, it's like the um, you know, the the the, the spinning, twisting, what a maneuver that Casey does on NXT. There's like, what <laughs> what is she going for here, and how does that not suck for people to take? Um. But anyway, uh, yeah, 110th Street Slammer is what I'm going to call it for the win here for Booker. Um, DDP promo from Monday. Pretty much like it Same seems thing. like the earlier video package cut off and then they just resumed immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he just wants everybody to know that he's back and he is jacked. And this kind of serves as a, either side they do like the title card promo for the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And it's only now, after a match and two flashback segments, that we get the opening video. Yep, for I checked. It was 10 minutes into the runtime. <laughs> and then it immediately goes to a commercial break as well. Like, if I was watching that night, I'd be like, what are these people? I'm on? wondering, was the show running late? As in the, the, yeah. the show before, whether it was baseball or fucking basketball or whatever. Well, I, I was thinking that not only... Maybe not so much running late as maybe there was something that was doing a great rating mm. 
and they wanted like they didn't want video package or anything like that they're like if we just start immediately with some action then like maybe we'll get more of a kind of bleed in on the rating yeah, possibly um so <laughs> next we're back to nitro again i just like it's classic go home show <laughs> stuff this it's like here's all the stuff we didn't bother doing on thunder uh, just so you know that you should buy the pay-per-view. Um, we have Scott and Buff with quote-unquote Mrs. Steiner. Yeah. Uh, with Scott saying that he can get, uh, that Buff can get even with him by knocking out his ma. <laughs> Which is like a great hypothetical. It's like, look, I attacked your mother. It's fine. Attack mine there. It's grand. Yeah, it's definitely a heel move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just love them. And people were just going along with so, it in the, in the car. They're like, yeah, that sounds about I right. I have a question because I don't remember this at all. What's with the heel NWO ref behind him with the tape on his head? Uh, this has... Literally, this was the first time, at least in the Thunder continuity, that it's happened. Um, oh, I can't remember what the deal is. I'm Googling it now as we speak. It's not Slick, um, because, Slick Johnson, like, is it? It, 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 do you know who it looks, who it looks like? Um, I think it is. Um, because, like, the first time I saw him, I was like, God, that looks like fucking Mark Johnson, but I couldn't get a proper yeah, look at it. Is. It is, is it, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've just Googled it there. Apologies for that terrible So audio. he comes um, in as a heel Scott Steiner referee and then goes on to become a referee. Who then turns and joins yeah. the NWO? Seemingly, yes. It, it, and that is the thing is like we see him twice on this show, and at no point does anyone bother explaining what's no. going on. It's one of those classic moments where Thunder viewers are disregarded. Like he he's on the Saturday night ad coming out behind Steiner. Yeah, so he's part of the act and has been for a while apparently. Yeah, yeah. So I get. I guess. This is just happening now, and we just need to roll with it. Um, but he does. Buff knocks out the mother, um, and the NWRF counts the pin. Um, I enjoy that as this happens. So as he pins him, Rick Steiner runs out to defend the honor of his mother, and Buff, with my favorite line of the show, says, "Get out of here! This is our segment." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then shock of shocks, Rick gets in the ring and reveals that it was in <gasps> fact. A worked mother. No. Yeah. Their shoot ma is fine. <laughs> uh, shoot but ma. The... <laughs> who's, the, who's that? I'll have to be working ma. <laughs> yeah, the, the worked ma is an absolute bits. Uh, haven't been laid out. Uh, Buff says if it was his mother, he still would have done the same, which begs the question, why not do the same? Um... As Rick is, is jaw-jacking with the pair of them on the ramp, Scott Norton jumps him from behind and the B-team just beat him down. Um, our next match is Disco Inferno versus Scott Hall, who is accompanied by uh, Stevie Ray, <laughs> Vincent, Norton, and Horace, who seem to be just the, we need NWO guys out with this NWO guy, and they're just the guys around catering all the time. Um, I like the start of this match. Um, good babyface fire from Disco mm -hmm. where he's just like he acknowledges the situation he's in with four guys around the ring and like a legitimate main eventer opposite him and he's just like I need to put this guy away early so that's what he does he's trying to hit big moves he's trying to run around too quickly uh, for Hall to catch him so I liked that 
Um, not a whole hell of a lot because this doesn't last very long. I, I love that, I, that, I that Lee loves Disco's swing and neckbreaker. Every yeah. time he hits it, oh, that's what a move flick. It's just he loves yeah, it, it so It's much. like me now, 23 years later, just acknowledging a good neckbreaker because you don't get them that yeah. much anymore. <laughs> like when he hits it, I react exactly like Stagger Lee does. Um, so, yeah, Disco eventually, and it, it kind of is the story that, like, it, we've seen it happen with Disco in some matches over his character. It makes sense that, like, as soon as he realizes he's kind of on top and mm-hmm. has a chance, he feels his oats a bit too much, yeah. and that's where he gets caught. So he decides, you know, I'm having a great time here, and he goes to do the 10-punch spot uh, to, to Scott. And after the 10-punch, he goes to whip him into the other corner, Hall reverses the whip, clotheslines him into the corner, and pretty much just runs out the clock then and wins this match he he drops him with some punches like some re- that's the another art that is lost in wrestling punch. Scott Hall had a great work punch oh my god like he, he Disco ducks the right hand and in a flash the left hand of Hall connects yeah and I mean the commentator shriek <laughs> like like Larry who was supposed to hate Scott Hall is just like oh what a, yeah. what a left hand <laughs> yeah it, it, it's like it's one of those where it's such a good work punch. I wonder how much work there was to the punch. You know. I mean, would Vince be giving out to him for toy slapping? Is that what you're asking? I I know. <laughs> I wonder, did he just slap the chops off him on this? Uh, because it's certainly like he he laid it in, mm-hmm. brother. Um, Disco attempts a desperation cross body, but gets caught. Fall away slam. I like that spot. Um, and then Scott hits the outsider edge for the win. Um. Another Nitro flashback as this was bizarre to me. Um, why this people of all, uh, why this person of all people is the one that that Rick it is like that is this is the line that Scott has crossed. Uh, Scott and Buff appear to be beating down gentleman Chris Adams. Yeah, is that who it is? And that's where Rick is like, no, I've seen enough now. I I need to attack my brother and stop him because like Scott has been on a tear of beating the shit out of people for weeks. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> referees like, oh. officials JJ Dillon fucking women maybe he's just concerned for a WCW and he's like if you get caught beating up a Brit like this is an international incident <laughs> you know <laughs> like maybe that's what he's Who worried gets about gets mad about the Brits getting damaged <laughs> oh here he is apart now. from Piers Morgan <laughs> take off take off the ballot lava there Lee <laughs> oh my word um so yeah he, he just it, it, like it's it's been and it's gone where it's like i had barely the time to process what was happening and this segment was over um it feels like they could have fleshed it out more or you know what not shown it at all i think we got everything we needed for the go home angle for the steiner civil war with the previous flashback i think this was unnecessary yeah see i the feeling i'm getting with all these recaps is they have whether it's seven or eight matches for the pay-per-view yeah. So they obviously have fuck all lined up for this thunder. <laughs> yeah. So they're just going through, right, here's a recap for this match, here's a recap for this match. And I'm fine with yeah. that. That's, you know, a go home show. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, we don't need two Steiner recaps in the space of like six minutes. And I love how, yeah, they're showing a bunch of recaps. And it's okay if you want to hype the match by doing, say, one recap and one video package. Mm-hmm. But something about the post-production team I've noticed on this show is that they were only really fucked doing that video package for one match. Yep. Um, really. The rest um, of it was just clips. 
Yeah, truly bizarre. Truly, truly bizarre. Um, but with that segment done, we have Tony on the ramp with Jericho and a fabulous headband. <laughs> I think that was a t-shirt, wasn't that? That was his. It looks like yeah. It looks like his his kind Monday- of tie dye ish looking t shirt that he's just cut into a bandana. I thought it was his Monday Night Jericho t shirt that he would just tied up. He may well like who know like I'm st- I'm really starting to get the vibe of Jericho entering the no fucks mode now because he seems real. You close. think about it. Yeah. We talked about it on the last show where it's like it is the Goldberg feud that he'd been starting up over the last month. That I got that was the breaking point when they wouldn't even do anything with mm-hmm. that. Uh, and this is right when that's fizzed out. Yeah. So I, this is just the guy who's like, I'm just going to say and do what I can get away with and I don't care. And he's gone in a few um, Should we mention that since we recorded that one James J. Dillon showed up on Dynamite? Oh, yes. And Tully Blanchard wrestled. And Tully Blanchard well. wrestled. And he came out with the old NWA uh, US title and the original NWA tag team titles that Aaron and Tully had won in Jacksonville. Yeah. And uh, Dylan used the shoe. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I even added Tony Khan from the DOT account saying he <laughs> needs to get a segment with Jericho, JJ and Tony together just for old time's oh, sake. Yes. Oh, you have to. And he didn't. Bastard. Ah, See, that, that was God, the start of his bad can, week. Can we rescind that booker of the year? <laughs> we get on to Dave about that. Um, but yeah, God, how great was it to see JJ on? He looks the same. Like seventy eight. Yeah. Now, granted, like again, he was slower you know, in his mid in his mid fifties yeah. during this, and I think maybe he got to the age like he's just always looked to be in his in his fifties mm-hmm. and maintained it. But yeah, like for a seventy eight year old man, he looked phenomenal. He got into the ring easier know? than our current WWE main eventers do. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say he actually would have he wouldn't have changed the average age of the room at all, really, <laughs> would he? <laughs> Um, but God, yeah, I really wish Tony had a or TK had a got like a, a Jericho Tony and JJ segment just in the back. So like they just all come across each other or something. So we've missed storyline developments with Jericho, and it's um, you can see, you know, with the greatest of respect, uh, why he might have been fucked mm-hmm. off because this is a guy who's trying to work himself into a feud with Goldberg, and he is currently in a feud with Bobby Duncan Jr. Who, from what I can gather, just debuted on Nitro. It would seem so. And is now I, like a TV title contender. I have not, in my life, heard his name mentioned on WCW before this. In the two years that we do this show, I have not heard his no. name. Uh, oh yeah, no, actually, I, I literally just looked it up as we're talking. Yes, he made his debut on November 16th. Wow. Um, good for Bobby Duncan Jr who goes on to be part of the West Texas Rednecks from what I remember yes he does um, but yeah like I have to say like even in uh, Shivani's intro of Jericho he seems to have softened his attitude towards him Yeah, he's not calling him like names and like being despicable or whatever um, yeah, but that's because they're also doing this weird thing at him at the moment where he's kind of a tweener. Like he's still acting like a heel a lot, mm-hmm. but he's also leaning into the fact that like, there's definitely more Jericho signs. Yeah, people are cheering him and cheering him. Like it's genuinely, it's baffling. Like how much you could have done for Jericho to keep him happy, and how much you could have done to create a guy at that like above the mid card mm-hmm. maybe occasionally ro- rotating into a main event slot by just having him like 
in a Embrace. heroic losing effort yeah. to Goldberg. Yeah, and like he, he would have been like perfectly acceptable in 1999 in like the US title mix like gradually elevating like if you look what he did in say 2001 that kind of goofy babyface Jericho that went against Angle and Benoit and stuff like that yeah like he he was right there now at this point in WCW yeah Um, so what had happened on Monday was Bobby Duncombe Jr. debuted apparently and nearly caught Jericho and beat him and Jericho, as we would see later, bailed on the match um, and got counted out um, to preserve his TV title. Um, Which, in his promo... I was going to say, would have been made a lot more sense to show us before this segment. I would say so, yes. Um, in his promo, which was great, <laughs> he... Uh, I... <laughs> I, uh, I I noted that he called Stu Hart, and I quote, a crazy old wizard. <laughs> uh, burying that Stu made him be a cowboy in his first yep. match, and I love the idea of Cowboy Chris Jericho versus Lance... Uh, Lance, was... Lance T- Thunderstorm. Yes, Lance Thunderstorm. This is his original gimmick, LT Storm. And I, I, I um, love that he said it was the hearts. Like, if you ever read his book, it's definitely not the hearts. <laughs> that, that book him on the yeah. full show. Not those arts anyway. No. Um, and I, I also loved how, in a, possibly in a, just getting a, getting a boot in because he's frustrated with Bischoff, he also buries Casper Wyoming while he's there. <laughs> well, again, if you read his book, that's where he was supposed, Cowboy Chris Jericho was supposed to be from, was Casper Wyoming. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bobby comes out, attacks Jericho and hog ties him. Bobby Heenan. Uh, no, Bobby Duncombe. If Bobby Heenan come out and hogtied him, this would be segment of the year. I'll tell you that. Um, he attacks Jericho, hogties him. I love Jericho on the ground, off microphone, screaming at Tony yeah. to untie him, and Tony having absolutely no interest and just wishes him luck on Sunday. <laughs> Tony says, uh, I wasn't a Boy Scout. I don't know how to untie these knots. <laughs> uh, what did you think about Bobby Duncombe Jr.'s look here? He looks like every fucking cowboy we've ever seen. It like it's like somewhere like between the face and the cowboy getup. It's like some. It, it, I had it as like um, the singer from Nickelback dressing up as Hangman Page for Halloween. Is how he mm. looked to me. I was, but he also kind of looked like. Have you seen the promo images for Stephen Amell's new show Heels? Yes. Uh, it, he looks like some combination of him and the other guy in those mm-hmm. promo images. I was going to say he looks like Blackjack Wyndham. From like nineteen ninety seven yeah. WWF. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um yeah, I'm not exactly much as I enjoy Jericho, this is not exactly one I'm like, oh yeah, this'll be a banger on the pay per view. Um backstage Kaz asking Scott Hall to be on the team with his Japanese to English dictionary. I'm sorry, but this is brilliant. <laughs> It's brilliant. It's so quick, it's like thirty seconds, and Scott thinks that Kaz is offering him a Miller Light. <laughs> And he doesn't want to drink before his match, which, like, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> what he says was, no, 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 uh, no, I like Miller Lite, but after after the show, after, because you get in trouble around here drinking before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, he would know. <laughs> There's a guy who could show you some fines. Um, so, yeah, this is great. I I enjoyed the, the kind of half-show-long angle of Kaz yeah. just asking random people backstage. I actually wish there had been more segments of it. Oh, re- yeah, honestly. Like, okay, who off the 
the Thunder roster would you have loved him to come up to and ask? Barbarian. Barb would have been a good one. Um, um, I would have really liked him to try and approach Sad Raven. Yes, Raven would have been a good one. <laughs> um, let me think. Who, or him go, going really out of his depth and trying to ask Hogan. But we know Hogan wasn't bothering showing up for Thunder. I mean, Disco, Disco <laughs> that you asked is, is a good little segment. Um, yeah. Uh, who else could he have asked if that would have been around? Asking Jericho would have been good. Uh, <laughs> like, I've actually, got my own shit going a hog toyed Jericho backstage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While they're, well, they're still trying to get free. him loose. Yeah, that would have been good. Um, Saturday night teasing. Saturday night looks stacked yeah. this week. You've got Hoovy, Scott Steiner, Jericho, Kidman versus Ray, DDP versus Stevie Ray. Uh, you know, apart from Stevie Ray, that's a pretty solid lineup. I mean, you forgot to mention, that's the new Cruiserweight champion, Hoovy. Yes, this is something, again, another one of those they assumed you knew. Uh, my God, titles are really tough to keep track of in mm-hmm. this company, let alone when you're just watching one of the shows. But Hoovy is our new Cruiserweight champion, and that leads into our next segment. After the flashback to what happened with Jericho and Bobby Duncan, we're here. Ray is in LWO gear. Tony says... Actually, before we get to the match, there's a sign that we see as the camera cre- uh, pans the crowd. Right. And I mean, I just want you to think about this. The sign says, all caps, we sold the trailer for tickets to Thunder. <laughs> I want to catch up with those people and see how they how they lived with that. Like, not even to the pay-per-view. Not, like, not, not even, even to the Nitro. Thunder. See Thunder in Fort Wayne. How much were those tickets? <laughs> how, how bad was the trailer? Like, this is during a period where, like, your average WWF pay-per-view ticket wasn't that much, if you didn't care about where you were sitting. So, I mean, like, these weren't prime seats or anything. That's what we should get on to Jeff, who had been at a Thunder the, the month before, and ask him <laughs> how much these tickets were going for. Was it, like, selling the trailer-level budgeting to, to get in? Um, Was it the wrong trailer result, though? It's just someone yeah. else's. <laughs> yeah. Just sold it out from under them? Maybe. Uh, Tony says Ray is I think it's sullen is the word he uses it's something like that anyway he's a very sad looking guy and Larry immediately is just like how can you tell he's wearing a mask his one good line <laughs> just, of the night yeah, yeah it's very good uh, so the match is supposed to be Ray versus Kidman and the context clues we have here is that Ray is somehow a reluctant member of the mm-hmm. the LWO although that is not really expanded no, upon no because he's wearing this, the gear yeah, he's just wearing the gear. That's explanation enough. Um, then, then Kidman proceeds to put him down. <laughs> yeah, Kidman says he wants a match against the old Ray, not the LWO Ray. Uh, and um, like almost as if he must have set off running before Ray even got to the ring. Eddie is just in the ring, um, saying that you're mistaken that uh, Ray is LWO through and through. So don't be filling his head with stuff like that. <laughs> Ray says he has something to prove. That he beat Hoovy, and this is a very fair point. He beat Hoovy to be the number one contender, but for some reason Hoovy uh, got a title shot on Monday and beat Kidman, which is not explained. So he says that if he can beat Kidman tonight, he should then get a shot. Which I mean, I guess in the context of he's already been screwed out of the shot there once, it is fair that if he beats the guy who just lost the belt, he should get now, a shot. Considering he beats the guy who just won the belt as they well. They do clarify that. Because Kidman lost the belt, he is now automatically the number one contender. 
Now he's got his 30 day rematch clause. Yes, that's what they kind of say. And so, you know, Ray, Ray now feels that he's the number two contender, which apparently he can't wait for this shot, even though he did wait yeah. for a shot and got yeah. usurped. So, look, it, it doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> Fucking WCW, man. Just... Like, what, what part of them thought... Well, could you not have waited one week? And just... <laughs> like, what, what... Why? Why are we like, no, no, we have to switch the title on fucking Nitro. But what, what I don't get is, right, so the Tuesday before, after the Nitro, they said, right, we're going to have Ray versus Hilvey in a number one contenders match. Ray goes yeah. over. Grant, what happens between Tuesday and Monday? Do you know what? Actually, I'm just thinking now. Because that Tuesday show for last week was a taped one. So the problem is that they gave them too much free time to outthink themselves. Oh and either either they forgot who the number one contender was or they just lost interest. None of them watched the product. Because they're like they? a five-year-old. Yeah, none of them watched the product. No, absolutely none of them watched the product. That is for damn oh, did, sure. Is it, is it that Nash just got the book and said, fuck it, I'm making Hoovy champ? Yeah, yeah. Um... Eddie says it's about all of them, the LBO as a unit. So they're trying to show Bischoff what they could do. And Eddie valiantly agrees to sacrifice himself for the team and wrestle Kidman instead so that he can get the shot. <laughs> um, we've got Kidman versus Eddie. And finally, uh, Lee's prayers are answered as Mike Tanay is on commentary. Um, Eddie starts off on the attack. Uh, Kidman fires up, causing Eddie to beg off. Uh, he does his kind of uh, handshake trick where he's, he's begging mm-hmm. off and he's like, no, no, shake your hand, fair play. And Kidman, not buying it. So he goes to shake his hand, short arm clothesline. I like that. Uh, that we didn't have a dumb baby face for once. Uh, match goes on for a couple of minutes. Uh, Kidman goes for the shooting star press. But on the outside, he sees Ray and a man identified only on this show as the other man. So the other man appears. Who was this other man? Ray. Because I didn't get a, a clear shot of him, so he couldn't see. There was no clear shot of him. It, they're actually doing a better job hiding this man's identity than they were Canyon. <laughs> when that was the gimmick he was doing. <laughs> they just call him the other man. And then they're only showing glance and you don't clearly see his face at Is this all. the guy that was Eddie's mate that was just really big? And they thought they'd put him on TV? He is significantly bigger than the rest of them. I think I, think I remember Eddie's book and he talks about this. There was like just some. My guess is it's either that guy or it's like we need a body, so they got one of the luchadors to take his mask off and come out, and they just weren't going to identify him. Nah, but this guy was significantly bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a unit. Mm. Um, so he sees Ray and the other man arguing outside, and he dies on them instead. The other man gets back on the apron with Ray. Uh, this distract Kidman who gets rolled up by Eddie uh, and then the LWO goes back to arguing with each other as we bail to the back it was a nothing match really like, yeah. when I saw Kidman Eddie I'm like give this fucking thing like 15 minutes um, and watch them go from, from no. the disappointment of going right we've got Ray Kidman let's fucking go to yeah. then this kind of it, I don't want to say it was sloppy yeah they just don't seem to have all that much chemistry Eddie and Kidman yeah, we, we have like, we had a series of disappointments because we went off the air with Thunder last week and like, oh cool, we're getting Ray Kidman mm-hmm. versus the, for the title, presumably on the pay-per-view. We come in on Thunder, we're like, oh, we're not. 
uh, Kidman lost the title, but okay, we're, we're going to presumably, because he's the number one contender, get Ray versus Hoovy. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he's not the number one contender anymore. Okay, we're going to get Ray versus Kidman to decide who the number one contender. Oh no, we're getting Kidman versus Eddie. Oh no, it was it's over. <laughs> yeah, uh, it didn't even go that long. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Ah, oh, poor. Um, Nitro clip, and again, another case of should they have shown this before the match? They show before the, they show after the match that Hoovy won the title, and I tell you, the match looked good. Yeah. Looked like it was pretty fun. As it always we'll is when those who wrestle. Yeah, uh, we have what I think was the only proper video package of the night that wasn't just a, a flashback, and I thought it was a, they did a really good job. They did like a mm-hmm. brief video package recapping the whole Hall versus Nash feud. Yeah, really good video. Yeah, um, really kind of sets it up as a dramatic thing because, like, they've really, on Thunder anyway, they've really put that one on the back burner for about half the shows. Honestly, like, I would not have known these two are facing each other until this show. Yeah. Um, and this, like, genuinely got me interested. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so, fair play to them on that. Then we have Scott Norton with the B team including one of the most sacrilegious things you will ever see in your life, and that is Vincent holding up the IWGP title, which I just had to send to Jeff and Chris uh, to send them over the edge. Um, well, I mean... And he's wrestling Scott Putsky, who I think uh, about half this squash match happens before they mention who it is. We should say that that title no longer exists, so mm-hmm. they have no real reason to be pissed anymore. Yeah, maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> they remember Vincent touched it once. <laughs> Um, you can't have a jobber of that level going near that belt sorry what, what do you think of the whole IWGP thing of them amalgamating the two titles and then just saying right from scratch here's the new world heavyweight title I'm not really a fan I don't like it to be yeah, honest I don't like it I, it feels like they booked themselves into a corner mm-hmm. and couldn't figure out a way to have him lose one belt without devaluing the other, the other yeah. you know um. So yeah, it's like it's not great, mm-hmm. and it feels to me like you don't have the. Much as I have enjoyed a lot of the the IWGP US Heavyweight mm-hmm. Title matches, it doesn't have the luster, the appeal, and the history to be that B title, mm-hmm. and neither does the Never Openweight mm-hmm. Title. Um, it feels like a thing where eighteen months, two years down the road the Intercontinental title will just come back. And it's a thing of, if they were in the process of elevating the junior title, well, that's fucked, yeah. because Hiromu's yeah. gone again. Yeah. It's, uh, they have not been... They haven't done themselves any favours in the last 18 months. No. Like, really, really haven't. Like, at the start, you could kind of say, right, mm-hmm. okay, pandemic, they're doing what they can. But, oh, I think that... that the credit they'd have in the bank for oh it's the pandemic that window closed a long time ago I, for me anyway I have next to no interest in anything they're doing yeah, I, I right haven't now. been watching I didn't even watch the Castle Attack shows I just yeah. I'm looking at res- I, I want I want to look up and watch Kenta vs Mox but that's about it I watched it it was fine like it, the, yeah. the atmosphere in that LA studio is just it's like negative for me yeah um so what have we got next we have yes so it's yeah it's norton versus scott putsky except uh, it's not except it's not at the start it's vincent wrestling scott putsky at first but thankfully he's quickly laid out uh 
The bell rings and Norton just steamrolls Scott Putsky. Mm-hmm. Putsky. Tosses him out of the ring. Vincent and Stevie put a beating on him as if Scott Norton really needed any help defeating the mighty Scott Putsky. Uh, back in for more punishment and Norton wins with a really half arse power. Yeah, he bomb. couldn't even be arse lifting. Like, was it almost a Gonzo bomb at the end? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost a, sh- almost a second shoot Gonzo bomb we've seen on, on Thunder. Um, not a whole hell of a lot to no, say about this. Um, quite the segment from Nitro next. Uh, as we see uh, President-elect Hulk Hogan having another campaign event. And he hired a fake Monica Lewinsky, mm-hmm. um, which was a choice. Oh boy, oh boy! And she she um, proceeds to pull a cigar from her breast. Yes, she does. So the less said about that, the mm-hmm. better. I think the high water mark for the Lewinsky humor in nineteen ninety eight was uh, Gene trying to crack Hogan last week uh, by making a reference to it. Uh, anything else? Absolute trash here. Um, and you want to talk about, you know, um, with the Peacock deal happening and people wondering, oh, why don't Peacock want everything from the WWE Network over? And I think Lanza is somebody who's been saying a lot about, like, NBC aren't going to want to touch a lot of the shit that's on that network mm-hmm. and have to answer for the people that go, like, you know, most of us who are in the bubble go, well, look, we know time and place, blah, 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 wouldn't fly nowadays, but... NBC don't want the hassle of new fans going. What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I've I've like talked to friends, you know, people that uh, like I grew up with that were wrestling fans at the time, and like randomly I'll say like, you know, have have you ever actually gone back and listened to anything Rock said between nineteen ninety seven and two thousand and one? Yeah, and it's like, well, no, don't. Jesus fucking Christ, don't. Have you listened to the the WWF the music volume five the the song he does with Slick I've, Rick? I listened to that fucking thing on repeat for about a year. Have you have you listened to no. it recently? <laughs> it's a bad one. Like, I'd imagine it is. It, it is a bad one. I I will just say that. I will say everything you have heard the Rock say that is dodgy seems to be compressed into this three minute song. It is astonishingly poor and I'm surprised that nobody has tried to dig it up just to get shit on the rock even though again it was 20 plus years ago and there's not a a chance in the world he would touch anything like that now man I've been watching Scrubs on Disney Plus yeah and the shit on there that I'm going holy fuck this was like this isn't even like a fucking this is like a mild TV show what the fuck? Was that on like over here in Ireland? It was on at like, like six o'clock in the evening. Seven, yeah, six, yeah. six, eight o'clock, yeah, something like that. So like, children were still awake. Yeah. Um. But uh, I also like I, can't like my son Connor is eight. Um, he's been watching Boy Meets World. Now I don't know. Are you, are you familiar with Boy Meets World? So I would have watched a bit of it. I was more of a Nickelodeon guy. Mm. Um, when we had that because like Disney Channel I think we had for a while on our package and then went but we always had Nickelodeon so I was like a big Keenan and Kel guy yeah. stuff like that um, let me tell you Boy Meets World deals with some real shit like that like yeah. I'm watching it like I'm kind of watching it with him and I'm like holy shit like we were kids watching this and the stuff the stuff that they deal with is like wow you wouldn't do that now 
Well, it's like, um, you know, remember the, the one everyone always uh, brings up and talks about is uh, Saved by the Bell, that episode where the, Jesse the gets drugs. hooked on pills. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, now they are the kind of, um, isn't it the study, stay away, caffeine, Ca- caffeine pills? pills yeah. yeah, I haven't watched the episode in many years, but like still, do you know, it's a very thinly veiled. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what they're actually talking about kind of thing. So yeah, it's a really, but I found, because I obviously would have watched those episodes growing up. And I find it's a thing that sometimes with the the adult themes, it just sails over kids' heads. Like, they don't realise. Like, you know when you rewatch 90s mm-hmm. cartoons and you start catching all the jokes that are in there for the parents? Oh, yeah. Glad you. Yeah. Kind of thing. So I feel like it's... Uh, that, that, kids... that, that's very timely this week on, during uh, Cancel a Cartoon Character Week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, you watch um, Animaniacs or anything like that back and you're just like, but there's almost more parent jokes. Mm-hmm. Parent jokes with the parents in. It's like they're lampooning and referencing like Hollywood actors from the 50s the, yeah. like kids are not gonna fucking get this shit like, like do you know what I mean the, the Simpsons prime example yeah um, but I'd say you're, like your son he's 8 isn't he mm-hmm. yeah so like he's uh, he's getting to that age now where he is gonna start copping that sort of oh, stuff oh yeah like there, there's certain subjects like watching like shows and I'm like okay I really don't wanna have to answer questions on this shit yeah like there was an age where like I was allowed to watch as much Simpsons as I wanted when I was really really young but then obviously my parents copped that he's going to be old enough soon to realise some of the things they're talking about so there was a block of time there where I wasn't allowed to watch Simpsons mm-hmm. and then I was again yeah. Um, so yeah he's right at that age now where he's going to start yeah like is it asking awkward questions that you don't necessarily want to answer yeah and it's right there and I'm, I really don't want to be the person that was like no you're not watching that I kind of like oh we put on a different episode just practice your best ask your mother that you can manage any question no I'm terrified of her yeah you want, you want to talk about football talk about if I want, you, want me to explain what a counter press is to you anything like that talking sports any confusing questions that you may have about adult teams next room over yeah, sorry that, boss that's the one yeah <laughs> um, so yeah uh, Hogan hired the fake Lewinsky there's a cigar gag we move on then and Scott Hall is out because they had been talking since the start of the show about how there was more NWO drama and I think you were probably the same as me where I assumed that was like Hollywood versus Wolfpack no see I caught at the start they said oh, Scott Hall knocked out Bischoff yeah and I was like what I like, I, and I thought I misheard him I was like I, I, fucking, oh, something must have happened like I just misheard that but yeah but like we get this confrontation and I think the premise of it is Scott Hall wants to know where Bischoff and Hogan's heads are because they're not in the game. Yeah. They're off doing this presidential shit. Yeah. Because we are heading towards the... Um, it's only a few months from now, isn't it, that they have the, the leadership of the NWO match? <laughs> I think there's a match on... I can't remember if it's a Nitro or a pay-per-view. It's like a multi-man match for leadership of the NWO. It, no, that's, that's post-reunion. Is it? Yeah, that's ah. that's a geek, geek match. Because all the stars go into the red and black and then the geeks are left with the black and white squad. Good stuff. And it's like a four-way on, I want to say... I want to say Super Brawl. Well, we have all that to look forward to, mm-hmm. buddy. All that to look forward to. So yeah, as you said, he's out to see where their loyalties are, where their attention is because of this pe- presidential shit. Eric says it isn't the time or the place. He sends Scott Hall to the mm-hmm. back like he's a bowel child. Scott doesn't take kindly to that, lays him out. Uh, Hogan 
stalls awkwardly at first, but then attacks him. And then Kevin Nash is out to save the guy he's in a blood feud with. I don't hate it. I, I know, like, so the video package reminded you of some of the things that I think they've forgotten to do as part of the TV angle. Where, at first, Nash was refusing to fight him. Mm-hmm. And at first, he just wanted to kind of Prove save his friend. Up. Basically. Mm. So, it's playing into that. But in terms of the way they put it across on TV, you wouldn't be blamed for forgetting that. And it seems really out of nowhere. Um, if it wasn't for that video package, you'd completely forget. Yeah. But, like, yeah. They haven't done a great job of telling the story. But, again, I don't hate the, the whole idea of of um, Nash always being there for Hall. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. Um, next up, we have Kaz again, backstage, and this is him asking Disco, would he be his partner? And while he's asking him, in walks Parents Saturn in <laughs> the world's most enormous leather jacket. And, it, like, you're talking a herd of cattle. I mean... This thing. I'm pretty sure everything he's wearing is leather. Yeah. He's got the leather flat cap. That, that, who knows? The shades might be made out of leather. Um, <laughs> he's just, just dripping in beef. Just an unbelievable <laughs> look on the man here. And essentially, he says, because uh, yeah, he comes in and he goes, he's asking you. like, And I love the idea that Perry just speaks Japanese. Yes. He's asking me his partner. Well, I mean, um, he, he was a ranger. Yeah, indeed. It's like the... Um, it reminds me very much of the Taz assuming that he like acting like he understands when people are cutting promos in Japanese on on dark. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. He's, he's asking me to your partner, and Disco says something like, "Oh, why don't you be his partner?" He goes, well, "Maybe I will." <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. He's just somebody says something. Saturn sounds like, "Okay, I will." <laughs> yeah. Cat uh, and Sonny are here to gloat about Cat uh, being absolutely nothing without Sonny's help. Uh, ono says that he got Cat a tune-up match that he apparently didn't tell him about until this second because he's livid as two-time karate champion the Super Sensei comes out, and this man neither looked super nor a sensei to me. I mean, he looks like Dolph Ziggler's dad. He does, yeah. God, poor guy. <laughs> He comes out, and I love uh, Kat's description of him was, where did you find this guy? He's like an old potato in a karate suit. I mean, as the, wrong. Com- as the commentators point out, he is neither Japanese nor a karate man. Yeah. Um, so as this is all unfolding, Kaz tries to jump the cat, but it backfires, and he starts beating him down. Uh, him and Sonny. And then Saturn comes out to make the save, uh, confirming that they will be partners uh, on the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Next up, I need to reach for my drink. Chavo versus Alex Wright. <clears throat> that so was, firstly... That was a match that happens. So firstly, there are two things worth noting. <laughs> are there? <laughs> I say that. There are two things worth noting, and both of them were just said on commentary. And we'll talk about one of them a bit later. So, Tony mentions that there'll be no thunder next week. Yes. So, we'll be skipping ahead. So, we are going to be fucking lost. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Coming off a pay-per-view, we are going to miss 10 days worth of content. Two nitros and those post-pay-per-view nitros just have so much shit in them. Oh, God. Anyway, 
Um, he mentions there'll be no thunder, and he also mentions something that we'll see a bit later on, that Bam Bam Bigelow has arrived in WCW. Um, Alex calls the audience stupid, and the match begins. I have no spots written down for this match, Lee. All I wrote was, this was boring as fuck. There's one spot. And I fucking cringed. <laughs> and not, not in the way I normally cringe when Java was wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do a couple of like backdrop reversals. So, you know, they keep sliding out of the other, you know, rolling back or whatever. Um, so eventually Roy gets... Um, Chavo up for the backdrop and he goes to crotch Chavo on the ropes except he misses or Chavo misses something goes wrong and instead Chavo lands fucking chest first on the apron with a fucking sick tud yeah and it had to hurt it had to hurt like fuck and then the match ends because they fuck up a roll up or something and it ends in like a jackknife pin yeah, with a bridge. Um, yeah, and he lays Chavo out after the bell. He breaks Pepe, which sends Chavo into a rage, and that's the end of your segment there. Yeah, it's just a fucking, like, just two bad wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, clearly, at this point, I feel like the show is overrunning because we have Canyon versus Prince Ikea, the Flatpak Sovereign, next. Mm-hmm. And Canyon does uh, like a redacted, like a, a small kind of a edited down version of his mm-hmm. usual promo. And uh, during Ikea's entrance, he runs up the ramp to start slogan with him. So obviously the ref said, fucking move it along, get it, boss. Yeah, get it done, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the ring quickly, and a match breaks out, unfortunately. Um, we have a couple of, you know, the usual Canyon inventive move bits. Um, a really surprise. nice, like, sit out dominator he does. Yeah, I love that. That was class. Um, it was surprisingly back and forth considering Ikea's recent run of just being beaten like a drum mm-hmm. and speaking of being beaten like a drum he gets beaten like a drum uh, <laughs> Canyon wins by it, it was a really cool finish because Ikea attempts a vertical suplex he gets blocked and it turns into yeah, a flatliner yeah. so that was pretty cool next you, up you, a, skip, you skipped over something they went they mentioned on commentary during this match oh fire away that um, Nitro not only did we get Bam Bam Mm-hmm. Not only did we get DDP and Bobby Duncan Jr. and Bobby Duncan Jr. making a big debut, we got the return to the Horseman of Barry Windham. I completely missed that on commentary. Yeah. So apparently Barry Windham was by Ric Flair's side on Nitro, and we missed it. And they don't recap it for once. And you know what's funny is that I actually was, <laughs> I was talking with you off the air about like should we do that nitro because bam bam shows up and that's all we we knew mm-hmm. about it without looking into it too much and because the the bam bam thing kind of goes nowhere we said nah we don't need a yeah. nitro for that necessarily and now between this and a video package we'll see later i kind of fucking regret not doing one yeah i kind of wish we had done this nitro now because yeah. it seems like a very eventful show yeah we'll we'll talk about the video package i mentioned in later but now we have a match with some consequences <sighs> at the end of which I will be asking Continuity Malone to make a decision. Okay. Oh, wow. More on that in a couple of minutes. We have Saturn versus Wrath for the Martial Arts Division title. First and title match so- in a long time. As soon as the penny dropped with me, I thought, oh no. Yes, I had <laughs> the same thought. Um, And as soon as the match started, I thought, oh no. 
because we had a lock up and Wrath powers out. Wrath uh, powers out again. A waste lock attempt. Saturn fails. He hits a rebound forearm. Drop kicks Wrath to the outside. Follows him with a plancha. So this is cool because we have Saturn staying on the, the hot guy who's squashing everybody in matches at the moment. He's getting a push. Um, so he's trying to maintain the advantage. Loses uh, a wrist control battle after being cracked with a fucking lariat. Tilt a whirl from Wrath. It's all Wrath, but Saturn won't quit. It felt like one of those battling performances that Saturn was doing during his turn. Mm -hmm. Corner splash attempt, which Saturn dodges and hits a suplex. And I'm just like, I'm begging for, like, Saturn to win or a disqualification or something. And then the cat and Sonny Ono came out and I said, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Sonny Ono. Yes, Sonny Ono. (laughs) Indeed. Saturn does the big splash for two. Sonny distracts the ref. Cat hits the ju- the jumping decapitation kick on Saturn. Mm-hmm. Wrath gets to his feet, hits the meltdown, and we have a new martial arts division champion. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on this match, Lee? I mean, like you, as soon as like Saturn came out, and I was like, "Oh, martial arts division match. This will be good." Haven't had one of these in a while. Uh huh. <laughs> and then I heard. It. I heard the yeah. music and my heart sank. <laughs> and I, we know that Rat does not lose until he loses to a certain big sexy. So, so what's the question? So, not only does Rat not lose until he loses to big sexy, Rat does not lose on a show that we are definitely covering. For over 18 months. Oh, fuck that. Not until the first chronic loss, I believe. Oh, because, fuck that. Because right after you're saying he, he encounters Big Sexy, he gets injured. For almost all the rest of 99 until he returns as part of Chronic. Okay. So we have to make a call. And what I've done is I've gone ahead in the results right. to look at different occasions on which Wrath was not the winner that we could add to our rule set for the martial arts division. And I'm not going to tell you who it is. I think this is the fairest way to do it. Because mm. if we look up the different avenues and we both make the decision based on that, it takes the then away. we're selecting a winner. Yeah. So I'm going to offer you a couple of different options here. Okay. Either... All battle royals count going forward. Right. That's option one. Option two is for me to go back, find out exactly when Wrath was injured, strip him then and there, and then randomly assign it. Option three is that the match he is in at Snow Brawl, which I have found a copy of, what counts yes okay. it's on youtube i found snowball it's only 20 minutes long so that match could count it's a battle royal as well but we could make a one-time snowball exception or i think there's a couple of occasions where this happens we could add uh, this is the last option option d we could add a rule that when there is a count out or no contest the title is held up 
So there are your options. We can go all battle royals count, which could be the most like chaotic neutral action because mm. then like all fucking bets are off. Yeah. Um, we have strip wrath as soon as he's injured. We have no contests or disqualifications constitute a vacation of the belt. Or we have snow brawl is uh, an exception to the rule and that multi-man match will count. Okay, when's snow brawl? Uh, it's like, I think three or four months from now. It's like uh, three or four months of podcast. I think it's like late January 99. <sighs> and that's the only one I'm giving you a timeline on. Because there's a couple of these that happen sooner. Okay. There's a couple of these that happen later. I don't want to give you any more details because I know you might be pressured to go, let's take the belt off him as soon as possible. Mm. Which is why I didn't offer you the option to strip him right now. (laughs) I mean, I would if I could. Um, I just want to ride it out a little bit, at least. He fucking ruins everything. Mm -hmm. Fuck. Uh, Fuck it. Let's go chaos. Let's make all battle royals legal. Okay, right, you've heard it here. Official ruling from Continuity Malone. Henceforth, all battle royals in which the martial arts division champion competes constitute a title defence. Now, one caveat to that, Lee. Does the person who wins the battle royal win the belt, or does the person who eliminates the champion? The person who eliminates the champion. Okay, well now I have no idea who wins the belt. Um, Because... I'll just say this, and we're not going to look it up before the pay-per-view, no. and we're gonna, just going to say it and hope the Thunder Buddies don't, because I want the surprise to be for everybody. Yes. Wrath is in World War Three. I was assuming he, as much. And he does not win. Yes. <laughs> so, let's go. I'm, I'm assuming he makes it to the last couple, considering yeah. the push he's getting. The funniest option, in terms of driving you crazy, would have been Snow Brawl. It's way too far away. Because Brian Adams wins it. Oh, no. <laughs> so it'd be one half a chronic to the other. But thankfully, Brian Adams does lose it if it had been in that timeline. Yeah. Brian Adams does lose it within a few months. You know, it's not the entirety of 99 and some of 2000 that we're stuck with him. Um, But yeah, okay, right. So all battle royals count now. A, <laughs> a decision from the uh, Martial Arts Division Championship Committee right then and there. <laughs> That's teamwork, buddy. Listen, he's getting a fucking three-day reign. That's all that matters. Yeah. So, now, flashback to Nitro. And this was class. Oh, my God. Oh, this, my God. This was fucking amazing. If Bam Bam was, like, say, 60 pounds lighter and five to ten years younger you have the new monster heel of this company because this they this shows you there's still a little sprinkling of of gold dust they have in the booking when they really want to get something right They're, they can do an angle they just can't do follow-up you, you're saying five to ten years younger 60 pounds lighter i'm saying no they have their fucking heel now yeah i mean like he wouldn't he definitely wouldn't would have done a great job but i'm talking about this is a guy who you can build the company around as your top heel a bit younger and a bit lighter i mean i i again would have seen this at the time and remember it being you know good or whatever but like 
my god I want to go watch this Nitro just to see this kind of show long storyline so bam bam just fucking storms the arena this is it like people talk about because obviously this is the year of the the DX invasion of Nitro that happens on their shitty Jeep Mm -hmm. I talk about that as a great angle this is like one man invading WCW by himself you know what I mean this guy comes out and they're doing the he doesn't even work here he's not Mm -hmm. employed by world championship wrestling Bam Bam shows up in his car first thing he does is slugs one at Doug Dillinger and lays him out (laughs) then he lays out like I'm assuming he laid out more people but he definitely lays out Canyon and Chavo Mm -hmm. Um, he storms in and he's screaming that he wants Goldberg bring me Goldberg yeah bring me Goldberg it looked fucking badass and like and you know again, do you know what and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fancy book this yeah Bischoff needed to do the do the interview as we see from Bischoff saying you know nobody comes in here and says you know they get they want our champion that's not how it works yeah Bam Bam's in the Battle Royal on Sunday I'll give him a spot you can earn it have him win the fucking Battle Royal Go. have him win the Battle Royal have him do because they're doing a Georgia Dome Nitro right after mm-hmm have the match because obviously this is what they do they want to pop a rating on Nitro by building on the pay-per-view have the title match have them do the Taz spot go through the ring no contest and you get out of it where Bam Bam looks like a killer and Goldberg doesn't lose like that's your Starcade match yeah is Bam Bam Goldberg based off this one night yeah and like it gets better you know um, the bits we see because like Bischoff says you know Goldberg has better things to do Goldberg storms out mm-hmm. of his dressing room and he demands like because he's a fighting champion so perfect like the, and he backs down from no man the image of the ring filled I know what I mean filled with people keeping yeah. these two guys that have no history apart Dude, I, don't, like, I, I don't know what went on to get to this yeah. but like I would have paid to watch that this is like, your, you know, they call it nowadays your sports center clip. This mm-hmm. is the one that you show to the non-fan. They're like, holy shit, what's going on? Like, it is a trope in wrestling, but the pull-apart brawl with security and bodies mm-hmm. flying everywhere is still, when they do it right, it's one of the coolest fucking things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Goldberg demands them. They start slugging at the entrance. They get pulled apart. And this look, I, oh, my God, I was so hyped for this. And I'm so sad that it doesn't really it amount did, to anything. It doesn't go anywhere, yeah. Our main event, Conan versus Bret Hart. A uh, lot of outside brawling here. Uh, Bret plays a little cat and mouse, kind of running away from Conan so that he can get in the ring ahead and jump him to take advantage. We get a, a sunset flip for two from Conan. Stevie runs in and slapjacks Conan as he's doing in, the, the sunset yeah. flip. Why but in a way that, this? how did the referee do yeah. yeah. Um, Bret then sits in the shark. <clears throat> the sharpshooter but Conan is already unconscious load of shite uh, nothing absolute nothing match yeah but it was all a match to build to an angle that they don't even finish sure. off yeah um, classic WCW we're at a time angle where Brett goes for the chair obviously he's gonna pilmanize Conan but he takes so long because Paige is obviously missing his cue mm-hmm. <clears throat> he goes to pilmanize the knee and Paige is out to brawl and pretty much before they touch we're out of time um, and I get like you do that once and that's cool because it's like you're going to have to tune the pay-per-view to see them actually mm-hmm. go at each other but like they do this all the fucking time like it's completely watered down yeah. overall uh, before we we'll, we'll wrap up and then we'll do our monthly game oh, um, fun. 
Yeah. Uh, so, overall thoughts on the show, uh, both as a show by itself and as a go-home show for the pay-per-view. I didn't hate the show itself. Like, the recaps make sense in the sense that it's a go-home show, so I don't absolutely hate it. I think the, the sequence they were shown made no sense. Everything would seem to be out of sequence from where you wanted to see what happened on Nitro, then, you know, the interview on Thunder or whatever. Um, yeah, it was fine. We've seen a lot worse episodes of Thunder. Yeah. It was. It felt like things actually happened, mm-hmm. and at least the flashbacks we got weren't as lengthy as other months and we got to see some cool action I, I think if we got to see a straight match um, like a main event with an actual like that was an actual match would have been a lot better show and yeah. if instead of Eddie and Billy we got Kidman and, and uh, Ray it would have been a, a far superior show grading on the thunder curve is probably about like a C yeah maybe Um, our finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borger gives us seven or sorry eight matches with five clean finishes and three interference leading to a finish. Um, so they're par, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee, it's that time of the month. We are heading into a pay-per-view, <clears throat> which means you need to recount to me what matches are on this show. World War Three, 1998. I won't ask you to name all 60 participants. I was just going to crack the knuckles and go, right, World War Three match, 60 participants, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um... Please do... Uh, there are eight matches on this show. Does so that include please, the Battle Royale? That includes the Battle Royale. Okay, Royal. so the Battle Royale. Yes. You got one right. Yep. Um, Steiner versus Steiner. It's two. Um, the Kaz and Saturn versus Kat and Ono. Three. Jericho Duncan. Four. Eddie Hoovy. You've got a Hoovy match. Is it Hoovy Kidman? Yes. So it's Eddie five. Eddie gets nothing for beating Kidman. And crucially, neither does Ray again. <laughs> well, I mean, he's just a geek at this stage. Um, yeah. Okay, so Kidman Hoovy. Um, so you got three matches left. Three matches left. So we have a TV total match. Oh, uh, Brett DDP. Yes. So that's six. Um, two left. Right, so these have to be... I will say we are now out of title matches. I was just going to say we're out of title matches, so are these filler matches now? Um, oh, uh, Hall say... Nash. Did I say that one already, Hall Nash? You did. They don't wrestle each other on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so the best video package of... The... Oh, you know what, I'm not, I'll, I'll talk about that to fucking pay view. Um... <laughs> Okay, so they are yeah. definitely filler matches, yeah? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, right. Are they multi-mans? Or is there a multi-man? Nope. Okay, so two straight matches. And they're the first two matches. Alex Wright? Nope. Disco? Nope. Jesus. Um. Ray? Nope. God, Brian Adams? Nope. I'll give I'll give you a hint for one of them. Go for it. It was set up by the main event of Thunder this week. Conan Stevie. Yes. Oh, good fuck. Uh, that's a seven-minute match, oh, by the way. Oh, Christ. And uh, the opener then, which is a minute longer. <laughs> oh, that it sounds ominous already. The fact that you're saying it's a minute longer. Um, uh huh. 
Vincent. No, he is with Stevie in the Conan match. Okay. Uh, is it an NWO geek? Nope. Oh, Jesus. Jerry Flynn. I don't know if, I don't know if you're going to get it. Go on. Who is it? It's Wrath versus Glacier. Why is Wrath getting a match? For eight and a half minutes. I thought Glacier was a bit... Uh, you know what? You know what? That doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Why am I questioning it? That's the slogan for That was show. three Days weeks ago. Days of Thunder. Doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> well, with that... I, I always love doing this, like, last. Because as much as, like, the go-home show sometimes hypes us up, and then the prediction game brings us right back down to Earth. You fucking... Every, every month you ruin my anticipation. But you know what? That sets the expectations right where they need to be, especially for World War Three, as I was saying at the top. Fuck. <laughs> right. Until next time, everybody. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Get the beers in for the pay-per-view, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Get stocked two weeks from now. We're back. It's World War Three. But uh, stay safe, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself, Dave Ryan, and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold. You can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram, where we love to hear from our listeners, about all things wrestling and beer. We're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms. I'm at the Day to Dave on Twitter, and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past, like the Worldcast, through the years in the International House of Combat, to wrestling of the present, with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story, and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine, and the Truth, and Busting Balls. Subscribe now, you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart. I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars